The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at WrestlingWithJonas.com. And hello again, wrestling fans. Welcome to another edition of This Week in History. We're going to look at the week of February 4th through the 10th. As you heard, we are part of the Jonas Podcasting Network, also the Ontario Independent Podcasting Network here in Ontario, Canada. We are available on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course, video-wise, thank you for watching us on YouTube and Facebook. We are happy to have CoolBet as our sponsor, and we always enjoy your feedback. So definitely get back to us. We are available on all social media, including our website, scumbagswrestling.ca. Email us at scumbagswrestling, scumbagsofwrestling, should I say, at gmail.com. Easiest way to get in touch with us is through our Facebook. Instantly, I reply, so there's not a lot of uh, delay on those replies. Share your thoughts on what we're sharing here. Uh, we love wrestling. We love the history of it, and we're thankful that you're a part of this. Um, this week's episode, we're going to look at uh, superstar spotlights, including Sherry Martell, Kurt Hennig, and, of course, Last week, we talked about the main event where the Mega Powers exploded. Well, this one, we're going to talk about the year before when, as an 11-year-old kid, an amazing thing happened when twin Hebners screwed Hulk Hogan. We'll talk about that as we get to it, but we can't do that until we go to Niagara Falls. And welcome in, Jonesy. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Not too bad. It is uh, Friday. We're a little bit delayed. Uh, usually it's Thursday, but you know, life happens. So we still make sure we get uh, the word out there and get these shows done. Um, life beyond this comes first. So uh, we thank all our fans for being. Well, I did review my contract and it doesn't specifically say it has to be done on that day. It just has to be done. Exactly. Um, and. You know, we do this for fun. We don't get paid. So uh, until that time comes where it does become a uh, thankful job and we can uh, maybe abandon our real jobs uh, for a while or at least pull back on them, this doesn't pay the bills. So family first and jobs first. Anyways, we are here and talking about professional wrestling and the history of it starting with February 4th. And going beyond. So we'll kick it off with our headlines. Headlines, February 5th, 2008. 14 years ago, Bobby Lashley announces on his MySpace page, that's right, this is 14 years ago, that he had left the WWE. This comes less than a year after Lashley was part of the heavily promoted Battle of the Billionaires match at WrestleMania 23. February 6th. Uh, 1988, 34 years ago, in Boston, Massachusetts, Bam Bam Bigelow and Hulk Hogan defeated Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase. The interesting part of this match was DiBiase was recognized and introduced as the WWF champion. This would be true again for another show in Philly. DiBiase would be WWF champion for about a week, but his title reign would soon be stricken from the record by damn Jack Tunney. President Jack... You knew things were up when Jack showed up, but uh, for those viewers who are uh, watching us, 
uh, in the video format, there was a picture taken of Ted wearing the title from one of those uh, shows, and I was able to find it and use it for this slide. Nice. Also on the 6th, uh, two, uh, 2013, nine years ago, WWE announces that Ron Simmons considered the first African-American to win a major world championship in wrestling would join the WWE Hall of Fame. And that year isn't there. 2013. Never mind. Ha ha. Moving on to February 7th, 1950, 72 years ago, NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion Leroy McGurk was involved in a car accident in Little Rock, Arkansas. McGurk lost his sight uh, when a shard of glass from the windshield made him blind. Uh, when he was young, he lost a sight in the other eye. Uh, McGurk's wrestling career ended with that incident and the title soon vacated. Yeah, uh, if you, well, you and I both uh, did this. I'm going to uh, take this down. Uh, both of us went to uh, Jim Ross's one-man show uh, in Toronto, and he has a lovely story about working for Leroy McGurk and being uh, blind and his driver and ashes going into the old man's uh, crotch and Jim Ross trying to uh, put it out as they were pulled over to the side of the road and it just looks like a ridiculous sight. But that road trip was also for the fact that they were going to go kill Ted DiBiase. And uh, Leroy had his gun on the dashboard and it's going back and forth across the uh, uh, dash of the car. And it's all because Ted was dating uh, Leroy's daughter. So uh, if you get a chance to... Uh, Understandable. Do not date a blind man's uh, daughter. Yeah. But I think it's in, uh, if you ever get to see Jim Ross uh, live, I, he probably still does tell that story. Um, but it's also, I think, in the Slobberknocker uh, book that he put out in the first uh, of his two books. Almost sounds sexual, Slobberknocker. Maybe Slobberknockers. Anyways, also on the 7th of February, 14 years ago, WWE ended its relationship with Louisville-based Ohio Valley Wrestling. Moving on to February 8th, 2000, Lita made her official WWE debut, serving as a valet to S.A. Rios. Uh, she uh, had made a previous appearance in WWE as one of the Godfather's hoes. Previously, she worked in ECW as Miss Congeniality, debuting for the WWF during the bout, would be Amy Dumas, who served as S.A.'s valet, Lita. Uh, also on the 8th, uh, 2010, WWE announces that Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, who was not killed by McGurk, would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And McGurk did listen to that, but he did not see it. Though he yeah. might have been dead, dead by then. So anyways, also February 8th, 2016, Daniel Bryan announces on his Twitter account his retirement due to concussions. He would become a GM for SmackDown and come out of retirement in 2020 after getting medical clearance. And now you can see him over on AEW doing a little more risky stuff. So who knows uh, how long his return is going to last. But hey, he made it back. And I guess that's good, at least for him and his fans. February 9th, 1998 would be unknowingly the final WCW appearance for Lord Steven Regal. He took on Goldberg in an awkward match that showed how green Goldberg was at the time. 
WCW would release uh, Regal immediately following the, following the match. And Regal would soon become a real man's man. Yeah, um, and then, of, of course, he spent like a 20-year career over in WD until just recently being released. And if I recall right, he has signed now with Impact Wrestling to help them uh, build up their roster. So uh, D- Darren is his real name, but uh, William Regal, definitely a uh, class act and uh, great knowledge of the business. So whoever he ends up working with, maybe eventually Impact, I mean, AEW, but Impact is going to take the value of Regal right now. Also on February 9th, 2010, saw Bobby Lashley leave TNA to concentrate fully on his <laughs> MMA career. And of course, Lashley would return to TNA in 2015. February 10th, uh, 1993, 29 years ago, in Germany, Ric Flair wrestles his final bout for the WWF until the new millennium, losing a WWF championship match to Bret Hart. This was his last contract obligation as the WWF Universe saw him lose a retirement match to Mr. Perfect on January 25th on Raw. Some of the birthdays. February 4th, Chris Sabin turns 40. And Damian Priest also turns 40. February 5th, Madison Rain turns 36. On the 6th, Connor the Ascension uh, turns 42. February 8th, The Big Show Paul White turns a ripe 50. Uh, On the uh, February 8th, uh, Classy Freddie Blassie would have turned 104. And Jim the Anvil Neidhart would have turned 66. Yeah, uh, Connor uh, from the Ascension actually just joined Impact Wrestling. And, of course, Madison Rain... uh, Think has been bouncing back and forth between wrestling and commentary as married to Josh Matthews. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, some uh, decent birthdays. Uh, big show, of course, Paul White uh, with AEW as well. And now for our superstar spotlight, another birthday. Yes, we've got, uh, she was born, uh, sorry, uh, today, February 8th, uh, would have been the 63rd birthday of Sherry Scrawl, born Sherry Russell, uh, but she's, of course, better known to fans as sensational queen Sherry Martell. She was born February 8th, 1958, in Birmingham, Alabama. She would start a wrestling training with Butch Moore in Memphis, then with the fabulous Moolah, she would uh, be kicked out of wrestling school for her partying ways. She would return to Memphis uh, and was managed by Jim Cornette, then suffered an injury and moved over to AWA with the help from Larry Zabisco. Uh, she would win Andre, the AWA's women's title, with Candy Devine. She also doubled as a manager for Playboy Buddy Rose when he wasn't so damn fat. And pretty boy Doug Summers, who won the AWA World Tag Belts. Shortly after holding the women's belt, uh, she would join WWF thanks to a referral. Oh, my, pardon me, my screen just wanted to do an update. There we go. Uh, She would debut for the WWF on July 24th, uh, 1987, defeating Moolah for the women's title and held it for 15 months. After losing the belt to Rockin' Robin and the woman's belt retired, Sherry would become manager to the stars, including Macho Man, 
and Ted DiBiase and Shawn Michaels. On July 24th, 1987, she debuted as Sensational Sherry and Success quickly found her. Uh, she defeated Fabulous Moolah for the WWF Women's Championship that day and held the championship for the next 15 months, finally losing it to Rockin' Robin in Paris in October of 1988. The women's division would be phased out uh, by 1990, but Sherry remained on a, in a most famous role, Manager to the Stars. Uh, she would then be released in the summer of 93. After a brief uh, run in ECW, Sherry popped up in WCW, aiding Ric Flair. She would become known as Sister Sherry and be teamed with Harlan Heat. She would leave WCW but come back in 2000 and back in the WWE as part of the Kurt Angle Shawn Michaels feud. After a brief run in ECW, Sherry went to. Oh, I think I. Yeah, it seems to repeat itself. Yeah, uh, so. She did, uh, uh, yeah. so uh, in WWE, yeah, there's the Angle feud. Yeah, that's that's just bad on me. Um, she was doing... inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame by Ted DiBiase in April of 2006. She would die of a drug overdose at her mother's house in Alabama. She was 49. Yeah, so as I said, uh, February 8th was her birthday. She unfortunately passed away June of 2007, not long after her uh, WWE induction uh, to the Hall of Fame. She did make a brief appearance in TNA, trying to be the manager to Bobby Roode. She sang the song uh, Sexy Boy for uh, Shawn Michaels, and then she sang Sexy Kurt for Kurt Angle during that feud that he was having with Shawn Michaels uh, at that time. She had worked for uh, in Japan, AWA, WWF, USWA, Smoky Mountain, ECW, WCW, and TNA. Uh, three-time AWA Women's Champion, one-time WWF uh, Women's Champion, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2014, Wrestling Observer Manager of the Year in 1991. Uh, amazing time for her because she was feuding with uh, I mean, with Savage and feuding with Hogan and Elizabeth and then Dusty. She was a really big part. And then they, uh, once you turn on Savage and caused the reunion, reunion of Savage and Elizabeth at WrestleMania 7 when he lost. Just her career just kept on going. And people might not realize that she was also Peggy Sue uh, uh, by the side of the Honky Tonk Man, causing interference in matches against Beefcake and Savage, helping hockey retain the uh, title. So uh, she was uh, Peggy Sue beside him and the Colonel in the back. Mm, those sounds like uh, some positions. Moving on to title changes. February 4th, uh, 1996, in Philadelphia, Sabu and the Tasmaniac defeated the public enemy uh, in a double tables match to win the ECW World Tag Team Championship. Uh, 18 years ago, on the same date, at an NWA TNA weekly pay-per-view taping in Nashville, Abyss and AJ Styles defeated Red Shirt Security, which was Joe E. Legend and uh, Kevin Northcutt, to win the NWA World Tag Team Championship. 17 years ago, at a Raw taping in uh, uh, Satatama, I don't even know where the hell that place is, yeah. 
William Regal and Tajiri defeated La Resistance, Robert Conway and Sylvain Grenier, to win the World Tag Team belts. Moving on to February 5th, 21 years ago, on Nitro, Rex Steiner defeated uh, Shane Douglas to win the WCW United States Championship. 20 years ago, at a SmackDown taping, Maven defeated The Undertaker to win the WWF Hardcore Championship. That's right. You can't say they didn't try with uh, Maven when Taker's yeah. willing to put him over as much as he did. Uh, it just didn't work out. No, uh, too bad. It's too bad. Uh, also on February 5th, 1988, Hulk Hogan loses the WWF Championship to Andre the Giant. Andre would surrender the title to Ted DiBiase moments later. And of course, we'll discuss this fate further later in the show. On February 6th, 1986, in Tokyo, Japan, Shiro Koshanaka defeated the Cobra in a tournament final to become the first IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. Uh, 1995, in Memphis, Tennessee, Jerry the King Lawler defeated Sid Vicious to win the USWA Unified World Heavyweight Championship for the 20th time. 21 years ago, at a SmackDown Hardcore Hall, oh, at a SmackDown, Hardcore Holly and Raven played hot potato with the WWF Hardcore Championship. Holly won the belt only to lose it back to Raven two minutes later. February 7th, we got five of them. 35 years ago, Chris Adams and Terry Taylor defeated Rick Steiner and Sting to win the UWF World Tag Belts. 1989 saw Larry Zbysko last eliminate Tom Zink in a battle royal to win the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. 1992, Money, Inc. defeated the Legion of Doom to win the WWF Tag Belts. February, also on February 7th, 22 years ago on Nitro, Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Brian Nobbs to win the WCW Hardcore title. And 2003, Chris Hero defeated CM Punk 2-1 in a best of three falls match to win the IWA Mid-South Heavyweight Championship. The match uh, did go past its 90-minute fall time for a total match time of 92 minutes and 15 seconds. That's like a whole event in itself, regardless of what else was on the card. You had a hour and a half plus match right there. Crazy. All right. Big events. February 4th, 2001. 21 years ago, Women of Wrestling, wow, presented their only pay-per-view, Unleashed. About 9,500 were in attendance, and only 6,000 homes uh, decided to pay for it on pay-per-view. WoW would soon fold. However, WoW would try to come back some 15 years later, presenting shows exclusively on their website. They would shut down again two years ago. Uh, they were going to attempt a third try at running shows thanks to Tessa Blanchard and other investors. Yeah, that's uh, coming up soon, I think, uh, later on the fall of this year. Uh, the relaunch re-relaunch of WoW with uh, Tessa and a few others. And I think uh, the CW Network might be involved with that. Not sure what's going to happen for mm. us here in Canada, but that's uh, coming up sometime this year. I don't know. Well, they got to just, just call it over some sort of wrestling program. 
have men once in a while, like they used to do women, but it's mainly women. Yeah, well, anyways, February 5th, 1994, 28 years ago, ECW presented the night the line was crossed. Terry Funk, Sabu, and Shane Douglas went to a one-hour time limit draw for the ECW Heavyweight Championship. February 6, 1990, WCW presented Clash of the Champions 10, Texas Shootout. No guns were used. February 8, 23 years ago, 1999, WWF presented Raw Saturday Night from the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. 41,432 fans were in attendance. This would be the largest attendance for Monday Night Raw in company history. It would air on Saturday night in the States, one night before WWF St. Valentine Day Massacre in February. This was because of USA's uh, coverage of the Westminster Dog Show. Canadians would see it aired on a Monday on TSN. And Sean, if you'd like to kind of go through the card. Yeah, sure, because both of us were actually there that night and uh, then saw a few of the stars during the weekend or during that time. Um, anyways, on that show, it featured the in-ring debut of uh, Vince McMahon. But earlier in the night, Mankind and Stone Cold uh, ended in a no contest as McMahon was the referee and they decided to just hit him instead. And so that match got tossed. The Rock defeated Steve Blackman in a non-title match. And because of what happened earlier in the night, the corporation defeated... Steve Austin in a gauntlet match uh, as punishment. Oh, you found your ticket. There we go. I have the uh, T-shirt for uh, that event also, but it's in a bin at the moment. Um, so yeah, the Steve Austin ended up losing uh, thanks in the final match with Vince at the end, and then they drag him to the corner, and you see this image a lot and they use it for one of the raw magazines where he's being held back and uh vince is right there in uh austin's face and just laying him having almost slobbering on him that intense and they still show that uh spot for this day uh at certain times uh looking back at history I remember it also for us going uh, to the restaurant afterwards and ran into uh, Ryan Shamrock, and I lent her a pen to uh, sign autographs with. And then the next day, because I stayed in the Sco uh, Skydome Hotel, I went down to have breakfast and was overlooking the arena where I think it was uh, Motley Crue or somebody uh, being set up for a concert on the Tuesday. And all these uh, people kept on coming in in suits and getting their breakfast because it was buffet style and going to sit down. And I looked over at one point and in came Linda, then Stephanie, and this is before Stephanie uh, was a character on TV, and then Vince. And, you know, I'm not the type of guy who goes, oh, my God. So I just was like, morning, Vince. And I was wearing the raw shirt. He came over and he was just like, were you at the show last night? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at the show. Well, how'd you enjoy it? And he's like, yeah, it was really good. And he put his hand on my shoulder. He's like, no, you didn't boo me last night, did you? I'm like, no, no, no. Why would I do that, sir? Wow, no. And he signed an autograph saying best wishes from the WJF Vince on uh, Skydome Stationery. 
and then Linda called him over to go get his breakfast and he said goodbye and that was it. I felt bad afterwards because of the fact that I did boo the hell out of Vince McMahon that night because he was going after Stone Cold. But then I remembered I booed Mr. McMahon and not Vince McMahon, who I had just met at breakfast. So that was my encounter uh, during that uh, time. And if I remember, the actual Raw show had a full 17 minutes of actual wrestling. Yeah, wasn't <laughs> that, uh, that much. And a whack load of uh, Bristol board. Yeah, it, it, w it was a good show, but I would have skipped that event if I knew that I would have had so many signs in front of us, people throwing stuff from um, the balcony level above us. Yeah, because that ring got pelted. Yeah, that that sh that show, you know, the Raws were some of them were good. It depends on where you sat. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it stands the reason because we said that that was shown on the Saturday before St. Valentine's Day Massacre, so it was definitely the go home show uh, for uh, that pay per view. Mm -hmm. And and and, and um, wasn't uh, that was the same show? Uh, Ryan Shamrock and Val Venus were. Uh, doing stuff up in the um, hotel. I believe so, yeah. Well. Yes. And that was that was based on what actually has happened at Sky Dome in the past. Yeah, when the hotel looks right at the uh, playing field. Not surprised. But I guess that's gone now. Like the hotel, I think, is still there, but you can't actually... I think they probably cover up the windows. Yeah, they cover now. that up now. Uh, February 8th, 2009, 13 years ago, TNA presented Against All Odds. Uh, the main event saw Sting defeat Brother Devon, Brother Ray, and Kurt Angle in a four-way match to retain the TNA World Heavyweight Belt. February 10th, 2008, 14 years ago, TNA presented Against All Odds. Neat fact, both Awesome Kong and Scott Steiner faced the same opponents again in the 2009 event with the same outcome. Scott Steiner defeated P.D. Williams in a Feast or Fried briefcase match, and uh, Awesome Kong defeated ODB to retain the TNA Knockouts belt. More title changes. All right, more title changes. February 8th. 1971 saw Pedro Morales defeat Ivan Koloff to win the WWF Championship. Morales, the first Latino-born world champion, would hold the world title for just over a thousand days before losing it to Stan Stasiak in December of 73. Because back then uh, they had a one-belt rule, Morales had to surrender his WWF, sorry, WWF U.S. belt. 1982, in Tokyo, Japan, Stan Hansen defeated Antonio Noki to win the NWF Heavyweight Championship. 1988, uh, saw in Bas Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, Randy Savage defeated Tito Santana to win the WWF Intercontinental Championship. The title changed in an air until February 24th, 4th edition of Primetime Wrestling. Therefore, Tito would still actually defend the belt at house sh house shows till the episode aired. Gotta love back taping and uh, able oh, yes. to fool the fans. 
1999 on Nitro, Roddy Piper defeated Bret Hart to win the WCW United States Championship. 22 years ago on a Sunday Night Heat taping, uh, Essie Rios defeated Gilberg in just 45 seconds to win the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. Uh, also on that same day, actually, there's a few, uh, Kurt Angle defeated Val Venus to win the WWF European Championship. And on that, uh, oh, no, not, not a different day, same, sorry, same day, different year, 2010, uh, on Raw, Show Miz, the big show in Miz, defeated Degeneration X, uh, Triple H and Michaels, and the Straight Edge Society, CM Punk and Luke Gallows, in a three-team elimination match to win the WWE Unified Tag Team belts. Yeah, they got to haul around two sets of titles. Yay. February 9th, 1982, the Midnight Rider defeated Ric Flair to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. However, after the match, NWA President Bob Geigel ordered Ryder to unmask. Ryder refused and gave the title back to Flair. Why did he do that? It turns out that the Midnight Rider was none other than Dusty Rhodes, who had a stipulation that if Rhodes showed up, it would have violated his suspension and would have been banned for life from the NWA, if you will. Dusty was the Midnight Rider, and that's why the Midnight Rider got a Dusty finish? Yep. No way! A Dusty finish that that, that carried. Oh. Now, the funny Shock. thing, of course, the funny thing in wrestling uh, for um, if you uh, held a class for those that uh, don't understand wrestling logic is the fact that, well, once they found out that it was Rhodes, why didn't he get banned? Oh, wait, it's wrestling. After it's done, it's like the next day. Oh, too late. Can't charge you. <laughs> yep. Uh, do, do, do. February 9th. 1998, on Nitro, the Steiner Brothers defeat the Outsiders to win the WCW World Tag Belts. February 10th, 1979, in Chicago, Illinois, Giant Baba defeated Abdullah the Butcher to win the All Japan PWF Heavyweight Championship. In February 10th, 1990, Masasato defeated Larry Zbysko to win the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. In 2008, Jade Lethal won the X Division Championship. All right, an event breakdown. Hmm. That leads us to the main event number one, February 5th, 1988, from Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, like I said uh, last week, we talked about main event number two with the Mega Powers exploding. But this one was the precursor leading up to WrestleMania 4. And we uh, end up, as an 11-year-old kid, uh, huge moment seeing the title change the way it did. Hogan had held it for three-plus years. And next thing you know, he kicks out after one, after a double-arm uh, hook suplex type deal that Andre did. And... The count remains, and the title gets handed over to Ted DiBiase. And as Ted's leaving, there's twin Hebners in the uh, ring, and Hogan's going, "Whoa, what's going on?" And he starts accusing uh, payoff and plastic surgery. And the Hebner brothers get into it, and Earl ends up taking out 
uh, Dave, and that's when Hogan realizes that Earl's the uh, dirty uh, ref, picks him up, and if you watch the video, because I was uh, needing to do screenshots to get the uh, picture uh, for the, the slide that I just took down, but he picks up Earl above his head, runs and launches Earl, and you got the mega, uh, the mega bucks team come back to check on Earl type deal, and they were supposed to catch him, but he goes like right over Ted DiBiase's open arms, trying to uh, stop him. I think they did slow down Earl's momentum, and if you see, uh, Ted's actually looking because he ends up falling on the ground uh, in the throw. But you see him look up over his head going, is he okay? Type deal. And then they uh, end up cutting and seeing Hogan and all that. And Hogan blubbering like a little baby backstage with uh, Gene Orkelin uh, and still accusing more of plastic surgery. But that has to be one of the best swerves and ever. Like even better than the Montreal Screwjob. Yeah, I, I think this might explain, too, why Hogan kind of did a lot of bad stuff is, you know, after this screw job, he the hell with this. Yeah, he was always a bad guy uh, type deal. We've said that before on the show. Uh, so, yeah, just looking at the whole thing, though, um, it was uh, on uh, NBC. Once again, Dick Embersall trying to get the big uh, pop and the uh, – Viewers, it was one hour only on prime time, and February yeah, 5th, 1988, led to what we were going to end up seeing happen at WrestleMania. I still don't get Ted DiBiase not really wearing a belt as a belt, it should have been under his jacket instead of over his jacket, but that's here and there. Uh, like I said, we got the uh back rakes going on from Hogan. He even actually went from the second turnbuckle and clotheslined Andre at one point. And uh, decent match uh, for the length it was. But, uh, yeah, we end up seeing also Randy Savage against the Honky Tonk Man. And uh, Strike Force uh, just barely got their match in uh, against uh, the Heart Foundation with them getting the victory over them. There was other matches that were on the card, including uh, Jake Roberts against uh, defeating Harley Race. The Bulldogs defeated the Islanders. Duggan defeated One Man Gang. And Warrior defeated Sika. But a huge number of uh, people tuned in for this main event because it was set up at, um, well, it was a rematch from WrestleMania 3 and set up at the Royal Rumble, the contract signing, and we talked about that, uh, about Russell, uh, Royal Rumble 88. All right. We're moving on to the Monday Night Wars, February 7th, 2000. I'll do Nitro, and you can handle Raw. Sure. Um, so it's February 7th, and this is the 2000 edition. Uh, it was held in the Tulsa Convention Center in Oklahoma. Uh, Norman Smiley defeated Evan Courageous with Shane Helms and Shannon Moore, uh, about a minute and a half. The Wall defeated Brooklyn Brawler with Midnight, a little over three minutes. Tank Abbott defeated the Barbarian in a shoot uh, fight rules match. That one lasted almost a minute. David Flair with Crowbar and Daphne defeated Terry Funk in an I Quit match. 
which lasted six minutes and 36 seconds. David Flair beat Terry Funk. This just does not seem right. Well, my guess is Crowbar and or Daphne interfered. I would hope so. I would hope so, too. Um, Stevie Ray, and of course, the longest match on this uh, is the that match. <laughs> Stevie Ray with a Big T and Jay Biggs uh, defeated uh, Disco Inferno with Big Vito and Johnny the Bull. Uh, yeah, for those not aware, Big T was um, Ahmed Johnson. And he won the uh, right to use the word T, uh, the letter T, after beating Booker. And I believe uh, Jay Biggs was Clarence Mason. Ah. And that one went for uh, t- two minutes and 23 seconds. Bam Bam Bigelow defeated Brian Nobbs to win the WCW Hardcore Belt. And the special referee was Fit Finley. That one went for two minutes and 41 seconds. Billy Kidman with Tori Wilson defeated the Demon in under three minutes. And Sid Vicious defeated Scott Hall to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship three minutes and 37 seconds. And Scott Scott Steiner did a shoot interview on Ric Flair and received a suspension for two weeks without pay. Uh, He called Flair a jealous bastard, accused Flair and his buddies getting Steve Austin fired, and also remarks on WCW sucking and fans grabbing their remotes to watch WWF. I love Nitro in the 2000s. And Click, over on Raw. Yeah, over on Raw, uh, Raw held their uh, edition of their show at the Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. The New Age Outlaws, Mr. Ass and Road Dog, ended up defeating Christian and Edge to retain the WWF Tag Team titles in just over six minutes. Kurt Angle defeated Mark Henry by disqualification in two minutes. The Hollies, Crash and Hardcore, defeated the Acolytes, Bradshaw and Farouk, in a Hardcore Tag Team match in just over two and a half minutes. Chris Jericho defeated Viscera, by disqualification to retain the WWF Intercontinental Championship in three minutes, Jacqueline defeated Luna to retain the WWF Women's Championship, and Luna had Gangrel, her husband, in the corner at the time, and that match actually only lasted a minute and 15 seconds for the Women's Championship. The Dudley Boys, Devon and Bubba, defeated D'Lo Brown and the Godfather with a hoe in their corner, uh, in under three minutes, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, Triple H, and X-Pac, who had Eddie Grow, Stephanie, and Tori in their uh, corner, defeated Cactus Jack, Rikishi, The Rock, Too Cool, which was Grandmaster Saxe and Scotty Tuhati, in a 10-man tag team main event in 10 minutes and 9 seconds. Raw ended up more than doubling Nitro in the ratings that night with a 6.5 to a 2.7. This is one of the largest margins of victory by either side in the history of the Monday Night Wars. Uh, I tune in for the main event uh, for Raw, and that would probably be it. Wow, there's a lot of stink uh, matches in here. Uh, God, anything with Viscera. <laughs> And we might be talking about him next week. Uh, we'll see uh, who's in our spotlight. Uh, he is a candidate potential. But, uh, yeah, 
I don't know. Uh, that's a little bit of the problem with both shows. They had a lot of talent, and in that era uh, for the Attitude Era, everybody got a spot, which isn't so bad if they're used properly. There's been a lot of times over the last couple of years that WWE has so much talent, or now currently AEW has so much talent, that they're sitting back and doing nothing. I don't know if it's worth a one- to three-minute match to get everybody on TV or have select people do a rotation and get quality matches. It depends on your uh, like and how they're used, I think. Yeah, I mean, it always seems a little longer when um, you watch it on TV because the introduction and the end after the bell rings, that's not in the time of the match. So it's from bell to bell. Yeah, because there could have been a lot of filler uh, beforehand. The ring entrances, as you said, any post-match uh, brawls and uh, setting up a storyline to continue. So it does look like a lot of things are on there with small times, but where did it lead to, uh, to for the following week to be, have people tune in and also for a future pay-per-view that was coming up? So that makes uh, you on. Yeah. All right. Birthdays. Get your birthday candles out. February 9th. Um, it's the 58th birthday for Alundra Medusa Maselli, uh, formerly uh, WWF and WCW women's right. wrestler and competitive monster truck superstar. February 10th has a whack load. Uh, it would have been the 51st birthday of Louis Spicoli. Victoria turned uh, turns 51. It would have been the 67th birthday of Chris uh, Gentleman. Uh, the Gentleman? Gentleman? Was that it? Yeah, Gentleman Chris Adams. There you go. I don't know. It didn't sound right. Uh, uh, Vanessa Craven uh, turns 40. And Tajiri Ishimori, Mori, that's better, turns 39. And now some sad deaths. February 4th, 2017, uh, it's been five, or sorry, it's been, yeah, it's been five years since wrestling lost Brian uh, Knighton, best known to wrestling fans as Axel Rotten. It's believed McDonald's was his last meal as he was found dead in a Gordon Arch's bathroom in uh, Maryland. He was 44. Now, all the years I worked at McDonald's, I never, ever got to find anyone dead, let alone a wrestler, in a McDonald's. I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. I feel a little ripped off there. Why? Because you're going to say, but up, but 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 I'm loving it. Yep. That's exactly it. Uh, now, mind you, I have encountered some things in a McDonald's bathroom that do remind you of death. Anyways, February 5th, 1985, uh, Rodolfo Guzman Herita. Uh, best known wrestling fans as the legendary El Santo, the saint, dies of a heart attack in Mexico City. He was 66. On the 10th of February, 1984, in Tokyo, Japan, David Allen Atkinson, best known to wrestling fans as the Yellow Rose of Texas. David Von Erich dies while on tour with All Japan Pro Wrestling. He was just 25. 
Yeah, that family there has a curse on it. Thankfully, this next generation uh, did not end up having that because Lacey Von Eric, we saw briefly wrestle in uh, TNA Impact, and uh, that was Carrie Von Eric's daughter. And then, of course, there's um, two sons, I think, are Chris's, I uh, could be wrong, uh, that uh, did wrestle or do wrestle in, uh, I think, MLW and have at least done well for themselves. Yeah, definitely a, a family full of wrestling talent, just not the best of luck. Yeah. Moving on to our superstar spotlight, it's Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Uh, February 10th, 2004, 18 years ago in Tampa, Florida, Curtis Michael Henning, a.k.a. Mr. Perfect, was found dead in his hotel room. He was just 44. Kurt was an American professional wrestler manager and color commentator. He performed for many promotions, including AWA, WWE, WCW, and TNA. Henning is the son of wrestler uh, Larry the Axe Henning and father of wrestler Curtis Axel. Henning debuted back in 1980 and won multiple championships in both Pacific Northwest Wrestling, PNW, and the AWA during the decade and gained attention when he defeated Nick Botwinkle for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship in 1987. With his 373-day reign being the longest, uh, sorry, being the seventh longest in history. Henning would move on to the WWF, where he feuded with the likes of Hulk Hogan over the WWF Championship and won the WWF IC belt um, twice. He would also win many titles with WCW during the late 90s. He would return to the WWE, then move on to TNA. He later headlined multiple pay-per-views for TNA in contention for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship prior to his death on February 10th, 2003. While professional wrestling journalists Bob Ryder and David Shear in a 2000 publication recognized him as one of the best all-around competitors this business has ever produced, and I'd agree with that, I'd put him right up there with Bret Hart, uh, Bret uh, Henning was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame and WWE credited Henning for raising the standard of technical wrestling in that company. Uh, Kurt was found dead in a Tampa hotel room uh, just hours before he was to promote event with Jimmy Hart. The Hillsborough uh, County Medical Examiner's Office determined acute cocaine intoxication to be the cause of his death, though Kurt's father, Larry, uh, said uh, steroids and painkillers may have played a part in his death as well. And uh, maybe I'll go to hell for this, but I just imagine Jimmy Hart standing over the limp body of Kurt and uh, screaming through his megaphone, Get up, baby, get up! Yeah, yeah, I never know. Um... Kurt was a uh, really good uh, and talented uh, performer. Uh, probably one of his best matches and with a uh, really injured back was against Bret Hart at SummerSlam for the Intercontinental title where Bret uh, won his first singles belt. But uh, yeah, just a really great talent. Um, some of the notes I also have, he sang Rap is Crap with the West Texas Rednecks. Um, he debuted in 1980, and he was still working up until uh, his death, unfortunately. Trained by Vern Gagne and his dad, uh, Larry the Axe. Uh, we pointed out that his son is also uh, Curtis. WD Hall of Fame in 2007. I was there at the Fox Theater 
the night before WrestleMania uh, 23, and his family inducted him posthumously uh, that night. And I believe he has a daughter that ended up getting into the business, but not uh, making it huge. Uh, unfortunately, even Joe, who was uh, Curtis Axel, didn't really uh, make it too huge. Went by uh, Michael McGillicuddy. Everybody knew who he was, and then he ended up doing what The Rock did by having his dad and grandfather's name. And he briefly was a Paul Heyman guy getting the Intercontinental title, but unfortunately, like I said, just wasn't one of those next generations that could light the uh, world on fire like the generation before him. Maybe too much expectations on him, but yeah, Kurt was uh, really uh, talented. For a heel, I actually really enjoyed him. Going against Hogan in 90 and destroying the WWF uh, Championship with the hammer. It's a shame that he's one of those guys who are on the list of should have but never did win the world title. Um, Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2015. One-time AWA uh, world champion. One-time AWA tag team title uh, champion with uh, Scott Hall. Two-time IC title uh, in WWF. One-time U.S. champion for WCW. He was a four horseman briefly uh, when he took not just any spot, not a liver spot, but Arn Anderson's spot. And then uh, promptly slammed the cage door on Ric Flair and ended his association with the uh, horseman. He is the one who got rid of Ric Flair on... uh, Raw in 93 and sent him packing back to WCW. But, yeah, just a really uh, great talent. Managed by Bobby Heenan, the coach, briefly, and genius. Uh, How they brought him back also in 92 when Warrior took off and made him a fan favorite and teaming with Randy Savage to go against uh, Flair and uh, Scott Hall at Survivor Series. That was a quick turnaround for less than two weeks. I think that they had to promote that. Uh, it might have even been just a week uh, to promote that uh, matchup. And he was accepted as a uh, fan favorite by the uh, fans. They were so happy to see him back wrestling. Great and on the mic, too. And I think I think it's easy to, to turn face when you're being instigated by Bobby the Brain Heenan. Because Bobby DeBrain Heenan and a lot of his guys, they seemed to be with him until he opened up his mouth and blamed him for something, and then that was it. Yeah, that happened a lot because even uh, saying that WrestleMania 6, he blamed Andre for losing the titles. Man, smack. Yep. Yeah. So Bobby was his worst enemy when it came to his family turning on him. And ending this segment, I, I, I would say... You know, I'd recommend that uh, match at SummerSlam against Bret Hart to many people, except the fact that the coach is blowing his damn whistle during the whole friggin' match. You know, John Tolos. Ugh. Anyways, that is it for this week in wrestling history, which is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CagesideSeats.com, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And as always, a big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet. CoolBet.com and sportsbook betting and casino games. Go check them out. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And of course, a how do you do to everyone 
over on the other side of the pond. Thanks to all of our genres listeners. Yeah, we thank everybody. Uh, tune in next week. We are going to uh, run through a lot of title uh, changes. It looks like might be uh, taking out some of those, and uh, yeah, some uh, interesting uh, changes and in, uh, titles and some good birthdays uh, coming up uh, on the next episode. So uh, thank you everybody for joining us. Whether it's on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. YouTube, Facebook, you name it, reach out, let us know how you uh, feel, share your thoughts and your uh, memories of those times. Did you meet a wrestler like I did with Vince McMahon one time? What were that like? Send us a message over at our Facebook page or email us scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. I want to also let people know that coming up very shortly is our fourth annual March Madness for the Ontario Indie Wrestling starting March 1st, where it's going to be at least 64 of the uh, stars from all over Ontario getting uh, narrowed down to one throughout the month of March, and that's why we call it March Madness. Stay tuned to our Facebook page for more details. And until next time, have a great night.